In this episode, I speak with Michael Youngblood, an entrepreneur with a global reach and perspective. He's the co-founder of Unsettled, a groundbreaking travel startup that operates in 20 countries, has attracted customers from nearly 100 countries, and is changing the way people live, work, and travel in the 21st century. Unsettled won the 2018 United Nations World Tourism Startup Competition. He's led research on global entrepreneurship at MIT, taught entrepreneurship on behalf of the U.S. State Department, and his work has been featured in dozens of media publications, including the New York Times, Forbes, Outside Magazine, and many more. Michael is an avid mountaineer, snowboarder, naturalist, sailor, and all-round backcountry explorer. He's a member of the inaugural TED residency, a member of Sandbox, and of course, a regular participant in Unsettled's retreats everywhere. Some of the incredible Unsettled destinations include Bali, Cape Town, Tuscany, and Patagonia. Welcome to the Rare Conversations podcast. I'm Leonie Milano, and I chat with creative entrepreneurs and business owners around the world about what it takes to start, sustain, scale, and sell a business. We talk about real-life scenarios to help you understand the path before you, to inspire your journey. I transitioned from working in film, TV, and global events to working with creative entrepreneurs through mindset coaching and mentoring. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs embrace the journey, understand themselves better, accelerate their growth, and get the most out of life, making sure they have a hell of a lot of fun along the way. Michael, it's so lovely to have you today. How are you going? I'm doing well. It's good to be here. So I wanted to start with two questions. What were you doing prior to Unsettled and how did you come up with the idea to create this business? Yeah, in hindsight, I was a relatively young man when we were starting Unsettled. And, you know, when you're young, and I, I mean, I was probably mid-20s, you know, edging into my late 20s, um, people do give you the benefit of the doubt all, in all types of ways. You know, they will pick up the phone for you. Uh, they'll answer your emails. They'll give you opportunities that they just might not give to somebody who's, you know, middle age or later in life just because they want to see you win. So it's, it's interesting to reflect back, what was I actually doing um, you know, it's about 10 years ago and we really were starting it as a concept and we were piloting it. And so what I was actually doing, I was figuring my way out in the world. I, I did have a couple of jobs. One, uh, I worked at a, an American university up in Cambridge in the Boston area, MIT, you know, people know MIT around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I lived, you know, about a thousand kilometers away and I never stepped foot on campus. Um, and oh, so I was doing research and entrepreneurship and innovation. I was publishing, um, but I never had to be on campus. I never had a direct report who expected to see me um, or anything of that nature. So I was working. It's a good remotely. setup. It was a very good setup <laughs> on one hand. On right. one hand, it was a very good setup. I was working remotely from home in Washington, D.C. Um, and you know, on the other hand, it's not a good setup because, you know, at that age, you know, I think any 20 something year old needs mentorship, you know, needs relationships in the workplace that are there to see you climb some sort of career path. 
you know, mm. whether we prescribe to, you know, the idea of a career ladder or, or something new, um, you know, I, I needed people to kind of look out for me, to help me, to give me opportunities, to coach me into opportunities that I found myself. Um, and, and so frankly, it was a lot of freedom, but with that freedom came uh, some isolation, some loneliness. Um, you know, I was literally outside of the office. And, and so being an entrepreneur, I kind of looked at that and I said, well, I have a problem. How can I solve that problem? And so that's where I came up with the idea is it was my own problem. Mm. Um, I figured there must be more people like that in the world, like me, who, you know, could work from anywhere, but also wanted to connect in kind of a peer group because I wasn't getting that, you know, there's learning opportunities in, in the workplace. And since I value kind of learning and growth so much, I said, there's got to be something where I can take my laptop somewhere. And so I put together our first trip uh, in Bali in Indonesia um, close to 10 years ago. And um, before I knew it, about 45 people from all over the world signed up for this. Um, and Incredible for your first one. For the first one. Um, and, you know, I was prepared for it. I'd owned a travel company uh, before. Right. Um, and so I was excited and, and you know, was, was ready to get back into hospitality. I didn't know if it was just a one-off project back then or if it would turn into a business. I had no idea. I just said, this sounds fun. And, you know, for me, it was like a paid trip to Bali and I'm going to meet 45 people. It sounds great. Yeah, from everywhere. That is definitely very, very interesting. Um, Unsettled has built a very inclusive community where you have very diverse backgrounds that are all welcome and encouraged to go on the various trips. You have different ages, different professions, such as entrepreneurs, artists, technologists. As Unsettled has been operating for a while now, do you find that a lot of your connections now are word of mouth? Yes. Um, you know, we've measured this. We, we measured it uh, bef- just before the pandemic. Um, and it was somewhere around 45 to 55%, um, you know, of, of all new participants on an unsettled retreat were word of mouth. That's pretty um, high. I thought it was pretty high. And, um, you know, it's gone up and down depending on when we are running, say, an advertising campaign or, you know, if we got big press. Uh, but over time, it's been the most consistent one. Um, you know, if you go on a, a trip somewhere for a month, which is you know, our core offering, you go to somewhere like, mm. like that trip to Bali I mentioned uh, for a month, you know, there's 25 or 30 people who are doing that together. You know, over the course of living for a month in Bali, all your friends back home, all your colleagues back home, all your family, they're like, gosh, you know, Michael's out there living in Bali. I barely know where that is, but look at his Instagram. It looks like he's having the time of his life. Um, look how much he's learning. And he, he really feels like he's just grounded back in that life he wants to be living. Um, and so it's like, I want to do that. You know, who doesn't want to do that? So that's where that word of mouth kind of easily, you know, it's, it's, and, and that's somewhat common in the travel industry. There's a lot of brand loyalty in travel, mm-hmm. um, more so than, than many other industries. Um, And that that word of mouth is kind of wrapped up in that. And I'm somebody who has lived and worked in many countries around the world. And I definitely enjoy the experience of working elsewhere 
because you do get to see a totally different side of that country uh, that you don't get to have as a tourist, the chance to connect more with the local people. Have you found that this is the case for people that join Unsettled even with a month-long stay? Absolutely. I mean, this has been one of the two or three most fulfilling aspects of Unsettled is, you know, when we go to whether it's you know, Buenos Aires for a month, Medellin, Colombia, um, you know, Cape Town, we see a, a shift in the model in, in travel and tourism where, you know, I think in the traditional ways we think about travel, you know, say you're going on a safari or something like that. Um, you know, you're hiring very specific people through this very organized travel industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they want you to interact only with the people along this very curated journey. Um, you know, that's this kind of old school way of doing it. You know, our way of doing it is we kind of drop you into the heart of Medellin, Colombia, you know, the city of several million people, very young, very vibrant, and for a month and you're working there. So you're bringing your whole life there, you know. If your laptop has a problem, you're going to walk down Main Street to fix that in Medellin instead of just going out to like the classic party district or whatever that tourism is built around in the destination. Um, and so we see many, I mean, we have people who are, you know, opening the dating apps. We have people who've gotten married. We've had people who've invested in local businesses. We've had local investors oh, wow, that's invest in our participants' businesses. So it goes both ways. You know, there's this kind of, outdated model where people from, you know, wealthy countries travel to, you know, the these kind of developing countries around the world and they go on these like very linear tours. You know, we, mm-hmm. we've tried to completely break that model and say anybody can go anywhere. I mean, we've had people from a hundred countries. We've had people from the poorest countries and the wealthiest countries on earth travel with us. And we go into, again, some of the poorest countries in the world and some of the richest countries in the world, but we create a very unstructured experience. And it's all about connecting you to local communities, to local networks, and seeing that model not be linear, not even be circular, just being almost chaotic, like a network truly is, and throwing people in there, like just like life is. Yeah, because when you think back, I was thinking of the tours when you go on like a four or five day tour, it's stop here for an hour, go here, go here. And uh, yeah, there's it, there's not a lot of freedom with that at all. Um, no. And what you're doing, so it's not too much time away, but enough to experience the thrill of something new, to get to think differently. Obviously, you're in such a different location. Do you hear often from a lot of the people who have done your retreats that that is a key part of the whole trip for them, that they need to get away and really shake up things for themselves? Yeah, I think that's the number one thing we hear both before and after, you know, a trip with Unsettled, um, it's, it's people, whether you're going to travel with us to one of these destinations and you're going to work the whole month or you need to take time off because you've been working so hard, you've gotten so caught up, um, you know, in your own career ladder and success. Um, you just need to pause and make sure that I'm still doing the things I want to be doing. I'm still doing what's important to me. Um, no matter why you go with Unsettled, you know, you're going to leave your routine in the most fundamental ways, you know, de- definitively step outside of your day-to-day routine. Um, even if you take some parts of it with you and you open that laptop and you get on, you know, Slack or Messenger or whatever it may be uh, to do your work. 
but, but you're going to step out of that routine. You're going to meet 20 to 25 people who've never been in your life, who have a similar mindset. Um, and then you're going to spend a month with these people, right. Who are asking the same questions, you know, am I doing what's truly right for me? Am I following, you know, the path that I want to be on overall um, for their whole life? Exactly. Is it my mm. path overall that I'm on or is it, you know, the path that my family expects of me, that society expects of me? Mm. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people have, you know, worked really hard and been quite successful, but they want to pause before, you know, you work another 20, 30 years on that path and say, is this what's really right for me? And so if you can just imagine being in a community of 20 to 30 people asking questions like that and also having fun and having these you know, experiences that you just can't replicate again in a completely different environment that you'll probably never be in it again, then, then yeah, you gain so much perspective. Uh, you connect really deeply with these individuals. You have these shared experiences just full of fun and joy. And so I, I really do think people get recharged coming out of these as much or more than any experience that I've, I've ever come across. And just what you said about these people asking the same questions they probably connect quite quickly given the circle. You know, even though they're all strangers, even though they're all from different cultures, they would still connect pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and part of this is by design. So we do look at our month-long retreats as an experience and we approach it as experienced designers and we kind of create um, almost this like hero's journey for the individuals going through. We're creating these blueprints of the month and saying, okay, here come 25 people. Even before they arrive to this destination, how can we help them connect quickly with each other? Because there's just so much knowledge and life experience in this little mm. network. You know, how can we make them comfortable, vulnerable, and interested in sharing that? And so we, that's what we really view our work as those experienced designers to create that magic. And, and, you know, we, you know, set up our staff to be successful at that. We pick venues so that we can be successful at that. We play specific music that helps support that. Uh, we're doing all types of things that people are comfortable in. And, and we set them up, you know, we share a lot more information than your average travel company before you arrive. And a lot of that information we share is actually asking you big questions you know, why are you traveling with Unsettled right now? What is it mm -hmm. you're really looking for? What do you hope to get out of this experience? Uh, you know, what are their expectations? You, yeah. What are your expectations? Do you, have you defined your sense of purpose in your life, in this path that you're on throughout life? You know, begin to ask questions like that before you even arrive so that you're warmed up and ready to have those kind of discussions. Mm. I guess it keeps people open to the kind of experience they're going to have. And I would imagine a lot of them would, by the end of it, have had a completely different experience to what they would have expected Absolutely. as well. We see our and role more as asking questions than anything um, mm -hmm. to that point. Because if, if we provide too many answers, you know, it, it's getting us to telling them what the expectation is or isn't, you know, giving them kind of the answer that they're looking for. We don't know what their answer is in this trip. You yeah. know, we know we want to provide a place where they can work, a comfortable place where they can sleep and live in a great community, but we don't know what they're actually looking for. So we're just coming up with more and more questions for them. And let them unpack their own individual experience. Yeah. 
which is pretty awesome. So, well, I think retreats can be pretty pricey when you're talking about going to different destinations. For a month away, I think your prices are extremely reasonable. How do you manage to keep it at the prices that you have, your current structure? You also have events and like art gallery showings, maybe parties and a band playing different. You have different experiences within the experience. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it is a lot. Um, Part of it is our secret sauce. So I'm not going to reveal everything. <laughs> um, part, of it, it, part of it is the, the destinations we go and how we run these. So we go to destinations and we're not going to, you know, the major hotels uh, in this destination. We're going to people who, you know, to property managers, people who own, you know, apartments. And we say, you know, hey, what if we come in here uh, and we rent, you know, a set of, you know, 20 apartments over the course of a month or maybe three or four months because we might be here back to back, you know, you know, can we, can we begin to talk about the price? And so, you know, we do leverage the size of our group and the length of our stay uh, when we're negotiating, you know, we, we do look for place, places where we can go um, to keep it affordable because, you know, we do want people from all kinds of backgrounds to be able to join this. Um, you know, we, we don't want to create bubbles. We want to, again, drop you mm. off in this local network that is chaotic and that is as real as life is. And we want people from many backgrounds to be able to afford this and, and go on these trips. Um, and no, I'll, I'll leave it there. We, we, yeah, we work, work it behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, okay. So enriching, adventurous, energizing and spontaneous. These are some of the descriptions from people who have traveled with Unsettled. It seems like it does provide them with a life-changing experience for the 30 days. Do you end up keeping in touch with a lot of the people who have done the retreats? And do you have a lot of the same people continue on with the next adventure because you have some pretty awesome destinations yeah uh yes yes and yes um (laughs) so um i'm part of you know um whatsapp groups from you know trips we ran six and seven years ago i'm sure this morning on my phone from from alumni who've been on trips um and you know i was thinking you know my drive into the office this morning like I should host like just a reconnection Zoom conversation with you know 20 people who are on my last trip with me soon just to see everybody's doing and, and what's new. Um, and and a lot of that happens, you know, we we want people to just stay connected to kind of their their group and it just naturally happens. They get home. Um, you know, we've seen alumni meetups all around the world, you know, groups of you know 10, 12, 14 people from a trip get together oh, nice. we hear that yeah people are always coming to me like hey will you you know organize a new retreat for the 15 people who, who want to meet back up with mine um so you know we hear a lot of that and we do have uh um, oh they want to go on another 30 days somewhere they either so there is a lot of that so we do have between a, a you know around a 45 50 percent repeat rate right um where somebody will come back and once you go on a little trip, you know, you get a, a better price than, than the first timer, you know, you're, you enter into what we call our, our alumni network. Um, we've had, you know, about 3000 people who've gone on trips with us and, you know, they're located all over the world. So 
Um, you know, if I were to land in Dubai tomorrow, I have, you know, about 20, 25 people, maybe even 30, 40, 50 people in Dubai who've got on trips with Unsettled. I begin to navigate posts in the different Unsettled groups and social media. I say, hey, I'm coming in town. And before I know it, you know, I'm having a dinner party one night, you know, I'm going into somebody's office the next day. They're connecting me to investors or job opportunities a few days later. Um, and it's like that in, you know, cities and places all around the world. So that network lives on. We almost think of it as yeah, university. Like you said, these are life-changing experiences, just like a university. And, and if we can kind of craft a 21st century version of an alumni network that continues to help you grow throughout your life, then that's one of our goals. Yeah, it's uh, and you know, traveling to a new country for I think this depends on where you live and what your experience has been, but it can be exciting to go to the places that you go to. Uh, sometimes I think it could be intimidating for some people, but they get the courage to go, especially ones that might not travel a lot. What is the mix of people who are attracted to travel with Unsettled? Is it more the business types or the more sporty type, you know, the adventurous ones yeah. that want to just try everything. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's the creative types more than, more than anything. People with creative mindsets, creative approaches to how they live, creative approaches to, you know, defining for themselves what's important in their lifestyle, uh, creative approaches to um, what they actually do at work, um, creative approaches to just like being fulfilled in life. And that might look like sport. That might look like adventure. But, um, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't Again, say... Again, it's different it's, for everyone, yeah. It's different for everyone, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that we attract some, like, super adventurous, um, you know, extreme athletes or anything like that. Um, you know, it's more people who are just probably working, you know, either a creative field or think creatively about the field that they work in. And they want to think new gather a different perspective about, about their life going forward. Mm. We've had, you know, architects join us who do incredible things, you know, architects who work in refugee camps. Uh, you know, we've had uh, some of the leading furniture make makers in the Middle East, um, you know, people who uh, work in fashion design, uh, lots of people in marketing, digital marketing, brand creation, uh, lots of different designers, graphic designers, you know, logo designers, um, you know, furniture designers, I mentioned, I mean, Netflix producers, uh, show writers, just like people really who are just out there like creating, you know, new ways of working, you know, new parts of the economy is, is really what I think is attractive to them. Oh, I just think how great would it be for if you're a writer and you go away on these retreats? I think that that would just be such a good experience to have. You know, when you hear about uh, artist residencies and someone's written, you know, they've written a famous book in different places, a lot of that. Travel is one of the best things that we can do for ourselves. Hands down, I believe that. Um, having an experience, especially when it comes to elevating our awareness and understanding of others, having tolerance of others, I also think it presents new opportunities. What are some of the standout stories that you can think of from your past trips that have presented amazing opportunities? Um, for the 
individuals who have gone, um, I think what I see is people come, you know, looking to explore their purpose that we talked about, the sense of, okay, what's this larger purpose that I'm on in, in life? And when they connect through that, it's a deeper connection. And I think people begin to realize that there's this like synergetic connection between um, what they believe the world needs, what they're personally passionate about, and what they can do to earn a living. You know, just kind of that Venn diagram between those factors. And as they do that, they're realizing there are other people they're meeting who they know their why, right? What's really driving you? What do you think the world needs? What can you do to make a living? Um, and so I think one, the opportunity is, is really just to reconnect with what you want, right? And, a, and that might, go ahead. No, it's a bit, uh, reminds you of that Ikigai. Yep. Right. Yep. It's very much like the Ikigai concept uh, out of Okinawa in Japan, um, you know, and it's, it's somewhat cliche, but that really is what's happening coming out of these retreats. But the second thing that begins to happen is the more that participants, alumni, you know, listeners to this podcast begin to connect with that sense of purpose, with that synergy, that Venn diagram, um, the more they're going to attract opportunities to them. And so as you begin to get so clear on what's important to you, on what you think the world needs, on what you can contribute to the world, you begin to talk more about it. You begin to have conversations with people. You begin to look for jobs in it. Before you know it, you meet somebody else who's just as passionate about you, who has a slightly different skill set than you. You're like, hey, maybe we could do something together. Before you know it, you start a business together. And so I think the first part of the opportunities that see come out is for personal transformation. The second part is when that hits reality people begin to do work around that. And so we see quite often people going into business together mm -hmm. on these retreats, after these retreats, you know, starting their own fashion labels, um, coming together and starting hotel concepts, um, starting, you know, blockchain and, you know, businesses. Uh, we see people coming together, just realizing that they have a shared connection with somebody that really begins with their why. And it's like, well, what can we do with this? Um, and so we see a lot of people, even people who don't consider themselves entrepreneurs, people who thought maybe one day, I, you know, I'd like to own my own business. I just don't know where to start. Once they have that connection, they realize the textbook, the MBA doesn't matter. It's the, it's me being connected to my why and finding, you know, a partner, a business partner for this. And then an opportunity presents itself and they're good to go. Exactly. Hey everyone. I'm excited to jump in here and let you know about my upcoming program for 2022. People say knowledge is power. But that's not entirely true. If you do nothing with that knowledge, it's worthless. If you implement it, you become unstoppable. Creating your own business takes work, commitment, dedication to getting tasks done, working through the frustrations when you realize it's more than you thought and you feel like you're always on the verge of quitting. The easy thing to do is give up, but that just perpetuates a cycle because when there is something you can't stop thinking about, something that you really wanna create, you'll never be able to shake it. What we're not taught in school is how our brain actually works. It is so hardwired with our individual beliefs based on our own life experiences 
that it takes the utmost awareness to know what you need to do differently to achieve your goals. This is the single biggest thing that can be the deciding factor on how well you live your life. When you're starting a new business, there are stages you need to go through. Analysis, planning, testing, strategizing, taking action in tandem with accountability and support, etc. This is what I help my clients with. In my 10-week program, I'll take you from being stuck and not knowing how to grow to getting clarity and confidence that will get you to the next level. We'll make sure your niche, target market, offer, and strategy is solid by implementing systems and a step-by-step action plan to strengthen your foundation that will allow you to grow faster than you could have imagined. You'll gain clarity and confidence with every step, not ever having to return to where you were ever again. I work with a limited number of clients at any time, and to really help you, it needs to be a mutually beneficial fit. This is for someone serious about their growth, for someone who's tired of just getting by to having a healthy business that actually makes money. If this sounds like something you're interested in, send me an email to hello at leonimilano.com. That's L-E-O-N-I-M-I-L-A-N-O.com with the word apply and we can jump on a call to see if this works. If you can tell me one thing that you got out of this episode, I'll add an exclusive bonus. Now let's get back to the episode. I love what your co-founder, Jonathan Kalen, said about being intentional, taking a period of time for yourself, that you can step back from your routine and the difference that it can make on your life moving forward. And it doesn't mean, however, that you have to lose your structure although that's also probably not a bad thing sometimes, <laughs> especially if you're an entrepreneur and you, you, know, you have to still be keeping up, like you said, that you got to keep up some of the things you're doing. Um, do people working on these trips find that part beneficial? I, I guess you've just kind of answered that in a way. <laughs> um, they- I think it's awareness, right? for your life what am i doing with my life yeah I, I think it's i think what unsettled actually provides people is the time space and structure to figure out you know what are you doing with your life even if you're coming to work 40 hours a week from cape town with unsettled or buenos aires with unsettled you you, you know you're by the nature of signing up for this for a month you're investing the time space you know, and the structure that you need to be intentional from this point on, you know, going forward. Um, and so I, I think that's what people are looking for when they find us. And, and I really think that that's what people get. You know, we want to make sure you land in this destination and you can stay productive, as you mentioned, you can stay mm. connected, you're comfortable because it's kind of like, you know, Mavlov's hierarchy of needs. If we take care of the foundations, right. And, you know, while this may not be a psychological need, the need for you know, internet and connection in the 21st century is important. Um, you know, if we're taking care of those and you know, you're going to have a great place to sleep, a great place to work, a great community, great local staff from unsettled to help you figure out the challenges of living in this place, then you can begin to focus on those higher up needs of self-actualization. And I think that's, that's kind of what we're finding. 
And I think it's probably something everybody should do at some point because so much of what we do in our life is just the same thing, the same thing. And it's that interruption. I I really believe that we need to probably do that a lot. There was a Harvard study that I had read about where even when we have a task in front of us, it's something like 49% of our time we're spent in a daydream alone. That's half of your day. And then when you think of all the things we do that is on autopilot every single day that we're not even thinking about, I think to have that interruption, you need to extract yourself out of your environment entirely to go somewhere almost to have those different conversations and thoughts. Yeah, that's a really interesting thought because the autopilot piece is connected to your routine, right? Mm. If you wake up every day, you have the same commute to work. You know, Depends you if it's good. <laughs> the, good parts of it, the good parts of the habits. Yeah, whether it's good or, or bad, you know, the, the routine uh, becomes the same. Even in um, like, like working out, you know, physical activity, you're trying to get healthy. Um, you know, there are pluses and minuses of routine. At a certain point, you'll hit a point of diminishing returns if you stick to the same routine. Mm. And you know, this is where, plateau. yeah, you'll plateau and a professional will come in and say, you know, you have to do something different every day. You have to surprise your body to re-engage muscles that you just aren't engaging anymore. And mm. I think the same thing is true of our lives. You know, whether we're in a 49% of the time, you know, thought bubble up in our heads um, or we're just going through life on autopilot, like you said, how can you do that? You know, the, the masters of the world say, well, you know, you, you, there are ways to find presence. I'm not a master of the world. So I'm going to say, I believe travel, <laughs> new environments, yeah. new people, conversations that really engage your mind fully like ours has, has on, the, on the two of us. You know, I think those are the types of things that just pull you out of that routine. And that's where you find change. That's where you'll completely 100% apply yourself. Uh, and, and something will come out of that, like the opportunities we were talking about, uh, whatever that, that may look like. Yeah. And that, and they actually do because you're thinking completely differently. And I, I mean, I think it's also when you come down to, are you asking the right questions and, you know, you're providing an environment that's the right environment and, you are, as you said, asking questions so they can come up with things. Um, I also think that there are people I was going to ask you about, you know, how do you convince people who are stressed and stuck in their job to say, hey, why don't you unplug but bring your laptop and go to a different part of the world for 30 days keep working and change it up. I think that concept might be a little bit difficult for some people to wrap their head around. But then I also feel if they spoke to a hundred people who've been through Unsettled, they'd be packing their bags tomorrow. Yep. Um, I'll answer that in, in two ways. So in, in one way, by the time that person reaches us, you know, they're stressed, maybe they're all just dissatisfied with their routine. There's, there's something in their life they just haven't really achieved. Um, you know, that it's not the life that they exactly thought they might be living at this age, whatever brings them and they find us, they've already given themselves permission. And so the convincing we need to do is 
to convince them that they're going to be safe. They're going to be comfortable. They can trust us. Uh, we're going to help take care of them when they arrive to this place completely on the other side of the planet. Um, so, so that's one thing. It's, it's a conversation around trust, to be honest. Um, and, and so how do you do that? You know, there's a million ways that you can do that. Uh, we make ourselves available for a conversation, you know, a live Zoom conversation with every person who wants to go on our trip. You know, anybody who's going on a trip can book a call with us to have a conversation with us. You know, we mm-hmm. talk a lot about the people behind the retreats. You know, I'm very easy to find on our website down to the people who are running the retreats. We introduce, you know, our experienced leaders, our trip leaders uh, a month before the actual trip. So at each point, we're building trust along, again, this kind of blueprint, this customer experience that, that we're looking at. So they're at. not being dumped into it. Yeah. So they're not just getting on a flight, arriving, and, being, and, and, and having surprises. You know, we really see trust as that key factor um, through that. And, and to your point, you know, one of the things we also do is we make sure we're showing the hundreds of people who have been on these retreats. And so you know, testimonials, uh, are more important than ever. And so whether it's on our website, you know, you scroll around, you look for our community, you can find dozens of profiles with their pictures, where they live, uh, what they're doing before Unsettled, what they're doing now, uh, and really hone in on these people. And you can look them up on social media. You know, we have people all the time, alumni who are like, hey, you know, Michael, I just wanted to let you know, you know, Jane Doe just reached out to me. You know, she found my name that I've been on a trip. And mm. she's thinking about signing up for, you know, your trip next month and, you know, Panama. And uh, she, she just wanted to talk to somebody who's been on the trip. If people who ask us, Hey, is there anybody who's been on a trip that I can speak to? And I was like, of course, it's you know, a, let me yeah, you know, ask around. So, um, you know, that is key because, you know, we, we do want that trust factor to come in because all this kind of self-actualization that can happen, you know, if, if you're not trusting that experience, that won't happen. Uh, and so, so we want to make sure people come there with a comfortable mindset. Right. They'd always be thinking in the back of their mind, but it sounds like you have all bases covered. I want to move into Web3 for a minute. Now, when I was doing research, I saw that you are a member of Sandbox. And for anyone who doesn't know what Sandbox is, it is a gaming virtual world built on the Ethereum blockchain where players can build, own, and monetize their gaming experiences using NFTs and their main utility token, Sand. What are some of the kinds of things that you have been creating in Sandbox? Um, so Sandbox has been um, exactly what it says, just a playground for experimentation creation. I'll say the, the value I've most um, gotten out of Sandbox isn't the things anybody's creating, but it's, it's the connection with people around the world. Uh, Interesting. And so there's actually um, you know, a few thousand members and there are hubs in I think over a hundred cities. Um, and so I'm going in, you know, and, and Sandbox and Unsettled are somewhat intertwined. Um, you know, I was a, a member of Sandbox before Unsettled got started, but just seeing the enriching perspective that I can gain um, you know, from interacting with people from, from all around the world was, was, was foundational to that. And, Obviously, this is a part of the massive shift that's going on around the world right now. Have you started to incorporate Web3 into the unsettled space? And what are some of the ways that you're using it or thinking of implementing it? Yep. We're we're looking at new ownership structures. 
Um, so, uh, you know, if unsettled is about creating living experiences in some of these destinations, um, you know, can you use blockchain to look at new ways of owning a piece of a uh, retreat that unsettled runs uh, year round? And so if unsettled were to be truly a living destination um, in say, you know, Cape Town, you know, we have 30 apartments so that people can come and go from any time. You know, what are some new ownership structures where you can use blockchain to get in there and have you know many people have fractional ownership over those homes? Um, mm-hmm. And when you join the unsettled kind of cooperative model, you know how do you own a piece of of this you know physical asset that can also be exchanged you know fairly uh, throughout a community? So that's that's kind of what we're looking at at the moment. Right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how everything unfolds because, I mean, it's still early and there's all kinds of things going on. In terms of the data that you would have collected over the years, do you have some interesting findings that you've discovered within your business that you can share about Unsettled? Like anything that might surprise you, have surprised you, or that you weren't expecting? Yes. Um, you know, right now, I would say in the last 24 months, last two years, it's a real hard read to get at the data because, you know, so many things are just so different um, than they were before. You know, I, I saw in America, at least uh, in the United States, we saw during the last 12 months, uh, what's been called the great resignation. We've seen more people mm. quitting jobs um, than we've seen uh, almost any time in the last hundred years. I saw that coming in the data before the pandemic, before it really became a thing. Um, you know, one, right. there's a generational shift. You know, uh, millennials, about every four years, we're changing entire careers, not just jobs, but entire career fields, having to gain completely new skill sets, saying I'm dissatisfied with working in you know, this past career, I want to try this one out. Um, and so that shift, you know, and, and the U.S. Department of Labor has kept track of this for like 120 years, um, you know, and so I was beginning to monitor that shift because we had people coming through unsettled constantly, you know, who are quitting their jobs. We were kind of looking at, okay, you know, how often do you, you know, quit a job? Are you looking for an entire new industry? Are you looking to build skills? Like, what are you really looking at here? And so we had this, you know, really small laboratory of really qualitative data, you know, when we're having, again, month-long retreats, we have so much qualitative data coming out uh, from that, the types of things that, you know, people are looking for. Um, and so I would say, um, you know, large numbers of people quitting their jobs, changing careers, and, and being dissatisfied with the status quo ways of working. I think that's something we're going to be seeing coming up. You know, by status quo way of working, I'm thinking nine to five, you know, in a traditional office um, using tech that we talk about this tech all the time. And, you know, maybe I'll try not to get too specific, but I think there's a lot of people disenfranchised from connecting through tech in a status quo job that's nine to five or whatever the hours may be. And so I'm, I, I think we've been able to pick up on that data over the last 10 or 12 years um, through, yeah, the thousands of people who've joined us, but the tens of thousands of conversations you know, we've mm-hmm. had from people and the data, you know, for every one person who's gone on an unsettled trip, you know, there's a hundred people who've thought about it and we hear from them. What's, where are you at in life? You know, we have a, a kind of an application you fill in 
And so there are hundreds of thousands of applications out there, people who you know, told us why they're you know, dissatisfied with their career track right now. Um, and, and so as kind of a geek, you know, I go back to my days at MIT when I was doing this kind of research, you know, I'm comparing kind of this qualitative sample size that I'm getting to like these bigger trends at things like the Department of Labor that I mentioned and saying, okay, this is what I'm seeing matching up with these mega trends that are just starting to show signs because it can take a little bit longer for these macroeconomists to, you know, really observe, to analyze, to do the science and say, okay, this trend is actually significant. Um, where I'm mm-hmm. hearing these bits and pieces of it. So I'm trying to match you know, the, the small sample size that I have with, with the bigger trends. And I mean, research is just subjective to mm-hmm. what anyone needs to measure and how and why they're measuring it. Um, it's interesting the, to even think that not that long ago, people wanted to stay in jobs for a really long time, or they just thought that that's what they would do. I have a friend back home in Australia who I think she's been in a job now for 10 or 15 years, but she started with them when she was, I think, in her teens. So that for me is crazy because I have been through many careers. (laughs) I was in the film industry, events industry, photography. But there's something about if if you look at your life as a whole, I mean, there's so many incredible things to experience, right? Yeah. There's a lot. I, and to I think you're going to miss out. Yeah. So, I mean, what's one of the most memorable things that has happened to you on your unsettled journey? One of the most memorable things. I'm sure it's been a lot. <laughs> that has happened to me. Um, I think it just for me personally, it is going back to that kind of synergy, that Ikigai diagram that we were talking mm. about earlier. It's the specific moments, you know, when I've been out in the world traveling oftentimes and I just kind of pause and I look at my life and I'm like, I'm living the exact life I want to be living. You know, there are no regrets. Everything that I've worked hard for, everything that I've created, you know, from my own mind and from, you know, the, the team that's worked hard for behind this, you know, the thousands of people who've trusted us and have helped contribute to it. But I look at that and I just say, like, I'm living my truest life possible. And people who know me really well, my best friends, my family are like, of course, Michael's out there running this, you know, company, this travel company called Unsettled. And had you asked us what 12-year-old Michael was going to do, this would be pretty spot on. Um, and so that would be, and, and when I say specific moments, it'd be a moment where I'm standing on an Indonesian Island, you know, on the last day of a retreat, looking out across that sea, you know, staring across into, you know, the Indian sea. Um, and just like, I, I believe when you look out at a big expansive space, like that, whether it's a sea or a mountain range, you know, we're looking to an abyss, but we're really kind of looking within. That's why we just mm-hmm. kind of get like these, looks you know that's why we just as humans i think we love these grand views that we just can't even conceptualize of everything that's in it because we're really while we're being drawn out we're being drawn in and so i can just remember several places that i've been looking at this beautiful landscape anywhere in the world and seeing like getting in touch with myself while looking at you know the mountains of colombia um you know the jungles of costa rica you know the beaches and you know indonesia 
um, you know, the cities of Europe, um, you know, the countryside of Tuscany, just like looking out at that and getting like almost chills where it's, this is my life. And this is exactly what I've always wanted. Right. And you were just intentional and created it. I, I don't know that there's a lot of people that would say that about their life. And hopefully they will start to think differently because, yeah, your life is pretty incredible. What you get to see, what you get to do, you are always meeting new people every single day. So I think you are so, what's the word? It's like every part of you is so nourished with your job. Mm-hmm. It's, you don't really have a drag with it at all. Uh, I would However, also- yeah. However, I would just share one thing with that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like any other human. And was I anxious this morning when I woke about something? Hell yeah. I was anxious. Was I stressed last night? And like, do I get the Sunday scares like everybody else? Of course. And so, you know, it's not my ability, my privilege to travel that is, that has changed me. And it has, you know, I, I realize I have a lot of privilege to be able to travel, but if I had the ability to shift my mindset. And that's why when you asked me about sandbox or unsettled all these magical experiences, I talked about the perspective. Cause mm-hmm. if I, you know, even if I never get on a plane again, even if I don't meet people like I've met over the journey of unsettled, if I'm able to shift my perspective and influence my mind to make sure there's 49% of daydreaming that you talked about in that Harvard study are positive daydreams. If I'm able to do that, I will right. live this fulfilled life you know, whether or not I'm running this awesome business or I'm a janitor at a high school, you know, I can be just as fulfilled and find just as many connections, no matter what, you know, my job title is with the right mindset. Yeah. That's a lot of internal work to get to that, to that kind of place. And I want to talk about COVID for a minute, (laughs) like everyone, Uh you pivoted to an online model going forward Will you continue to offer both models or do you prefer just the physical gatherings? So coming out of COVID right now, we're really focused on the physical gatherings. You know, it's been almost two years since we've really been back to travel, whether it's us as a company or, you know, you think of, you know, your life. And so we're really trying to focus on that because that's what we really think we need is, you know, a global society right now. But with that, we're going to take all the learnings we had through COVID, some of these networks that we built, and we're going to say, how can we continue to live unsettled when we're back home? Kind of like going back to that perspective that you and I were just talking about. Are there ways we can continue this kind of growth-oriented mindset when we're home You know, through tech, through online community, as much as or close to as much as in person? So in my mind, it begins with this major experience in your life when you join the Unsettled Trip, but we can find ways to continue those connections. You know, again, we have people in close to a hundred cities in the world, you know, who live mm-hmm. there. So how can we continue to have these big conversations and create that kind of safe space for people to come back to and have these conversations? Yeah, because it would be a shame not to continue those connections for a lot of people, because in our life, we don't just have one thing happen. It's things happening all the time. And I think that could really benefit them. And talking about that, you also do team building for corporates. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that and 
the different scenario. I can't imagine people would want to spend a month away with their colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we do a couple of different types of, of team building. Um, one are shorter retreats. Um, and so, you know, if a team, especially the remote distributed teams that, you know, we all know are out in the world today. Uh, and so if a team, you know, wants to spend, you know, three to five days, you know, offsite somewhere, combining a lot of the things we're talking about, combining, right, great place to stay, a way to be productive, local experiences, and that creative mindset that we've been talking about, uh, then we can create that in, you know, three to five day settings, we have ran longer term retreats, these 30 day ones for some organizations. Usually wow. they're very kind of like avant-garde off the radar organizations. Like we had this team of like 30 as a company, I think it was, they were gamers. I think they designed and built games. Mm. Um, and we had the entire 30 people stay in Bali a month with us. Um, and so they were staying with their colleagues and they just sit around and either play games all day or create games. Um, right. But most of what we're doing are these short-term Real experiential driven types of retreats for organizations who really want to come back to recharge their teams and to you know spark those creative mindsets. Yeah, three days, three to five days, probably more towards three days would be really good for people, I think. How do you select the destinations? We're talking about my magic sauce again here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't need to disclose this. No, 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 no. It's it's not. You they know, are no pretty secret. incredible, though. Um, supply and demand to keep it very right. broad and specific. Uh, mm. Where can you find you know a supply of what we need? Um, you know, not everywhere has it. Great internet, stable internet, great power grids. You'd be surprised how many places in the world the power goes off, you know, a couple mm. hours a day. And, you know, if you're working. Oh, I for... know it. <laughs> I lived in India. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, if you're working for your, right, your Wall Street firm, you know, your investment bank or whatever it is, right. recording, yeah. you know, a podcast or whatever it may be. Um, and the power goes out, therefore the internet goes out, you know, you can't charge, you know, all of these little things. So, supply of what do we find and also supply of magical experiences mm. um I, I do believe more or less every place on earth has you know kind of magical experience that you can go there discover and get in touch um some places it's a little easier to come across that um and so you know like i love the country of Colombia. You know, they were in a civil war for 50 years. They haven't been, you know, they've been out of that war for about 10 years. And so it's just, it's not, it's not visited as much as other places in the world are. And so when you go into these small towns in Colombia, the locals just welcome you in. They're mm. not looking for your money necessarily, probably don't mind it, uh, but they want you to have an incredible authentic experience, you know, riding their horses through their farmland. Um, and, and so that kind of- the, You get the, to give- so to them, which 100%. is incredible. Yeah, it's a two-way exchange. Mm. Um, and so that supply of magical experience is something. And then, and then, you know, demand, we're obviously always measuring, you know, where do people want to go right now? Where is that going to shift to next year? And there's surprises. I mean, coming out of COVID, um, you know, we're having, uh, we're, we're reading the data where we would have a hard time selling destinations in a lot of Asia. Uh, because for various factors, my read of the situation is because 
know, the government shut down a little harder there. They were a little stricter. The quarantines have been a little bit longer. Um, and so are you willing to travel to Asia uh, while COVID is still a thing out in the world? And, you know, you could have, you know, an increase in rates in these places that are likely to require quarantine, um, you know, to shut down at places like that. So I, I still see, um, you know, some, and again, I'm talking about the demand side of data of, of how we look for destinations. You know, I, I would not launch today a new destination in Asia. Um, you know, six months, 12 months from now, I think that demand side will shift a little bit. And that's just the consumer mindset. I would love to, you know, I love Asia. I'd love to open mm. you know, hundred locations there tomorrow, but just mm. reading that consumer mindset, we're seeing a little bit of a hesitation. Um, to, Fair enough to, too. To Fair enough. But you do have a very exciting place coming up that you just dropped. Can you talk about that? So we dropped um, yesterday and uh, again tomorrow. Um, we are just dropping Amazon in, um, in the Americas, in South America, the Amazon uh, rainforest. And so this is interesting. We've been talking mostly about the 30-day retreats that we do, but mm. we've also read that people also need these like mini sabbaticals, these mini breaks. They need to unplug. Mm. And a lot of people, we, we hear this term digital nomad being thrown around, right? All of us aren't digital nomads. Uh, most of us aren't, 99.9% of us are not digital nomads, but most of us do work in front of screens a large portion of our days today. You know, and that is just a different way than our species has ever worked you know, in the last 100,000 years. And so we're looking at an opportunity to go deep into the Amazon jungle you know, with a group of people from around the world. That sounds incredible. Without screens, right? With no technology, um, you know, everything but the camera you're putting away. And you're just, again, going back to these like really present, fulfilling conversations and experiences. A week off the grid. A week off the grid. Sounds amazing. Michael, this has been such a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. How can people find you online? The best way is just to throw into your search, Unsettled Travel, and we'll come up on Instagram, on our website, oh, on, on Facebook. So just do a search for Unsettled Travel. You'll find us um, at Be Unsettled is most of our handles. So like at Be Unsettled on Instagram is where I'd encourage people to go to um, or beunsettled.co. Fantastic. Thank you again. It's been really fantastic. It has been. I've enjoyed it so much. Thanks, Leah. Thanks. See you later. You've just finished listening to an episode of Rare Conversations. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd love for you to leave a review and share it with a friend who you think would be interested in this topic. And if you have a business question, please send it in to us. We may very well answer it in our next episode. So be sure to tag me on social media at Leonie Milano. The show notes and other information can be found on our website at www.leonimilano.com. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to having you back with us again soon.